At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying his word together. Today, we invite you to tune in for our current series, Revealed, stories with purpose as we study the parables of Jesus, reading stories with the power to reveal God's truth in our lives. Well, we're continuing in our sermon series that was begun a couple of weeks ago. Um, We are working through the Gospel of Luke and looking at several different parables that the Lord Jesus spoke as they're recorded in Luke's Gospel. And this morning, we're in Luke chapter 14, and we're specifically looking at verses 12 through 24. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. In order to set up sort of where Jesus is when he speaks this parable, I want to look a little bit prior to um, this part of Luke 14 to the verses that precede it. Um, Where Jesus is when he speaks this parable is where many of us have been, um, out for lunch, out at a dinner party, after church. Some of you guys may already have plans for meeting with a group of people for lunch or a hangout or a barbecue after church. Well, that's where Jesus is. It's the Sabbath day, and they have been to synagogue for worship, and Jesus is invited by what seems like to be a group of Pharisees into one of the Pharisees' house in order to break bread together. And while they're at this house... Uh, eating this meal, enjoying this dinner party, Jesus has a few different interactions um, that are revealed to us in chapter 14. In the first one, Jesus has a conversation with some Pharisees about the question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And through that conversation, Jesus reveals in the Pharisees their lack of compassion. And then Jesus has a conversation with them about the way the Pharisees are insistent on sitting in the seat of honor. He could see this in their hearts, that they longed to sit in the places of honor. And he showed their lack of humility. And then in this last exchange, Jesus is observing who all is attending this party. And he notices that it's the favored people that have been invited to this party. And so he reveals their lack of hospitality, their lack of compassion, their lack of humility, and their lack of hospitality are all revealed in this one dinner party. So don't invite Jesus over and think he's not going to stir things up for you, I think is one lesson we can learn. But we are looking at the specific part of this party Jesus is attending and the way he reveals the Pharisees' lack of hospitality. So I'll read for us Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 24. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends, nor your brothers, nor your relatives, nor your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with Jesus heard these things, The man said to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to the man, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many 
to come to the great banquet. And at the time for the banquet, the man sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But those who had been invited all alike began to make excuses. The first said to the servant, I've bought a field. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another of the invitees said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another of the invitees said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant once more, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When a young couple gets engaged to be married, there is all sorts of excitement and anticipation The proposal was perfect. The ring is beautiful. She said, yes, such a joyful celebratory experience. But very quickly, the freshly minted fiancés have to wrestle through the oftentimes difficult question, who is getting invited to the wedding? Despite the compatibility between the future bride and groom, there's oftentimes quite a bit of difference in their invite lists. He insists his crazy uncle has to come, even though his dance moves are borderline inappropriate. She insists her mom's best friend from high school who moved to California and hasn't been seen in years, she has to come. Back and forth, they debate each invite. Which people are most significant in our lives? Who are the people we're closest to? Who are the people we like the most? And so they developed, you know, an A list, a B list, a C list based on the priority of the person, the significance of the person. If you get a wedding invite with less than a month to go, you can be sure you are probably on the B or C list. All for the sake of all this back and forth, all this wrangling, all for the sake of who is getting invited. Well, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus is at this afternoon dinner party, and naturally, he notices who all has been invited. And upon observing who all has been invited, he speaks to the host of the dinner party, verse 12. Jesus said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also repay you in return. So here's what Jesus has observed about the people at this party. Here's the common theme amongst each guest. Everyone in attendance is able and likely willing to repay the host of the dinner party with an invite of their own. 
Based on who is in attendance, Jesus discerns that the host of the party is operating on a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours sort of principle. His hospitality is shown towards those who can be hospitable to him in return. His generosity is not rooted in generosity. It's rooted in a kind of selfishness. In other words, he's relating to the people he's relating with simply for what he can get out of those people. He's using them. He's not loving them. So Jesus says to this man, and by implication, he says to us, check your invite list. You've shown favor to people merely for the favor they can show you in return. You've invited your family, your friends, and your rich neighbors. Instead, verse 13, Jesus says, when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. That's when you're showing generosity. That's when you're being gracious. When the person isn't even able to be generous back in return. And so church, we've got to ask ourselves, who are you opening your home to? Who are you opening your life to? Who are you inviting into relationship, inviting into your life, inviting into your home? Is it people just like you? People who look like you, people who act like you, people who believe like you? Check your invite list. Are the people you are inviting into your home people who have the same appearance as you? People who have the same politics as you. People who have the same religion as you. Same family as you. Who are you opening your life to and why are you opening your life to them? Is it for what they can give you in return? Listen to what Jesus says elsewhere in Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 and 47. Speaking to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, If you love those who love you, What reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even Gentiles do the same? So Jesus says here in Matthew 5 that if you love those who love you, then you're no different than the world. Similar to what he's saying here in Luke 14. If you show generosity to those who can show you generosity in return, then you're no different than the world. There is nothing distinctively Christian about loving your family. Loving your family is built into the created order. It's natural to love your family. Non-believers have a natural tendency to love their families. And there's certainly nothing distinctively Christian about loving Wealthy people, it's natural to want to love wealthy people because they might share some of their wealth with you. Check your invite list, church. Who are the people on your list and why are they there? Is it just your family, friends, and people you can get something out of? Jesus says when you live like that, sure, you may get some temporary return, but it's temporary It's earthly, it's fleeting. But listen to what he says when you live a different way. Go back to verse 14. Jesus says to the party host, when you give a feast, 
Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So Jesus is referring here to the end times resurrection of the living and the dead, wherein we will all stand in judgment. And those who have evidenced their faith by showing open-hearted hospitality to the broken, they will have a reward. They will be repaid, not by the invitees they helped out. No, they will be repaid by God himself with heavenly, eternal reward. So here's what Jesus is saying. When we only show generosity to our family, friends, and the people we can get something out of, we have an earthly mindset. We're showing that we're focused on the temporary. We're focused on this life. But if our hearts are truly trusting in the Lord, if our minds are truly focused on eternity, then we'll seek after an eternal reward. We'll seek to follow the Lord in associating with the broken, the outcast, and the lame. People who have a bunch of rich friends, they think they've got the hookup. I've got access to all their toys. They'll invite me to their huge parties. But there is an eternal reward that far outweighs what our rich friends could give us. And the people who have a close family, it can be easy to think, man, this is great. We take care of each other. We love each other. And that may be true. A close family is a gift from the Lord. But if our association as a family is to the exclusion of broken people, people not like us, then we're going to find ourselves surprised at the resurrection of the just and the judgment that takes place there. Check your invite list. Now, in reply to Jesus saying these things, Someone else at the party says this to Jesus, verse 15. Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. So the dinner that this man is attending and Jesus mentioning the final resurrection makes this party guest reflect on the blessed nature of those who will eat and celebrate in God's kingdom. And Jesus certainly would agree with that. But Jesus is driving at the issue of who exactly it is that gets to eat and celebrate in God's kingdom. It is certainly a blessed affair, as the man said, but do we really realize who it is that will be in attendance at the heavenly banquet in the kingdom of God? And so in order to press this question further, Jesus tells a parable. There was a man who held a large banquet and his guest list was likewise very large. While the day comes, the feast is ready. The man sends out his servant to let the Party guests know everything's prepared, the feast is ready, but just as the invitations go out, the excuses come in. The first two invitees have economic interests, financial interests that keep them from attending. One has just bought a field and he needs to go look at it. Another has just bought five yoke of oxen. He needs to go test them, get them ready for work. The final excuse he excuses himself saying simply, I have married a wife. Now it's hard to say exactly why this is an excuse, but it hardly matters. The point is that the great banquet this man is throwing, it is being under-prioritized. Other interests have stolen the attention of the guests, and so they refuse the party. 
So the servant heads back home, reports to the man about how his guests have rejected him. And so he sends out his servant again. This time he says, go gather the lame, the crippled, the blind, the broken. Eventually the servant comes back and says, I've done what you've asked, but there's still room. So for a third time, the man sends out his servant saying, go out to the highways. In other words, go a long way off. Go out to the hedges, meaning go beyond the borders of our native land and bring those who are far off. And so Jesus uses this parable to help us see how he invites everybody. In many ways, this parable is symbolic for Jesus' own ministry and how it played out. Jesus had an original guest list to the banquet of the kingdom of God, the Jews. God gave his word to the Jews. God made promises to the Jewish people. But by and large, they rejected his invitation. Generally speaking, Jewish leadership and the religious establishment rejected their seat at the heavenly banquet. As the apostle John puts it in John chapter 1 verse 11, Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. However, just because the Jews largely rejected their Messiah, the banquet must go on and his invitation is going forth to others. Just like in the parable, after the initial invitations are rejected, more invitations go out, this time to the broken, the blind, the lame. And then similar, a perhaps majority of Jesus' first followers were poor, needy, and societal outcasts. And then, of course, a third set of invitations go beyond the borders of Israel. And this is representative of the mission of the gospel to the foreigner, to the Gentile, to the heathen. So church, see how Jesus invites everybody. Let's look to him and his example of inviting in the broken, of welcoming the outcast. Sure, Jesus in one sense loves these pharisaical, legalistic, moralistic, hypocritical, religious people. But in another sense, he knows their arrogance. He knows their hard-heartedness. And so when they reject him, his ministry is now focused on the outsider. The lame, the crippled, the blind. And church, it is this kind of ministry that we ourselves have inherited as followers of Jesus. A ministry of loving the unlovely. A ministry of caring for those who cannot care for themselves. A ministry of serving others, not so they can serve us back, but serving with a gracious selflessness because that's exactly the way Jesus loved us and cared for us and served us. Jesus loved us when we were unlovely, ruined by sin. He cared for us when we were broken and unable to heal ourselves. He served us, denying himself, taking up a cross, bearing the weight of our sin and shame. And so again, we don't just follow Christ because of this parable that he spoke, but because of the action he took, going to the cross, dying in our place, defeating the power of sin in us. And it's as we look to the cross, the more and more we will internalize God's non-discriminating love. The more we embrace the cross, the more we will gain a heart to serve others regardless of how they can serve us back. 
The more and more our lives are shaped by the cross, the more and more we will want to share the open invitation of God's celebration. Regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your social standing, regardless of your societal status, regardless of how ruined by sin you are, the celebration of God's grace is an open invite. So church, let's freely share this open invitation for people to come to God through the cross. Listen to some of Jesus' final words with his disciples before he ascended to heaven. This is from Luke chapter 24, verses 45 through 47. Jesus, at this point, had died on the cross, rose from the grave, and before he ascends to heaven, he's having this conversation with his disciples. And here's what he says. Then Jesus opened the disciples' minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters, it's these words, it's these marching orders that have shaped the church and have motivated us to take the gospel all the way from ancient Israel in the Middle East to the contemporary culture of Lapeer County in the Midwest. Because through the ages, Jesus' disciples have shared the open invitation of God's celebration. So church, who in your life needs to be invited to the party? Who in your life is on the fringes? The broken, the lame, the blind, the crippled, the sinner, the foreigner, the widow, the orphan. What will be your role in reaching out to others with the love of Christ and the truth of the gospel? One of the ways our founding pastor, Pastor Gary Gillum, one of the ways he reached out was by ministering to prisoners, going to jails, meeting with men, sharing the gospel, praying with them. One of the ways the Loftus family has reached out is by partnering with Hope of Life Ministries in Guatemala, doing construction projects, medical missions, vacation Bible schools for young people. One of the ways the Petita family has reached out is by partnering with Whaley's Children's Center in Flint in order to mentor a young girl. One of the ways that a few families here have reached out is by adopting an orphan into their family or welcoming a foster child into their home. One of the ways the Durbin family has reached out is by hosting a foreign exchange student from overseas who's come here to study, living with the Durbins for months at a time. Total stranger. One of the ways several of our life groups have reached out is by caring for single moms who face the difficulties of being a single parent. And there are many other examples of this kind, but in each one of them, there is an example of selfless graciousness. Reaching out to someone who looks different from them. Serving someone who can't even serve them back. Loving someone, sometimes they don't even know who the person is. So what about you? Who in your life needs to be invited to the party? Who is God calling you to reach out to 
to invite them into our relationship with God through Jesus. Church, check your invite list. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, once more as we've opened the scriptures two weeks in a row, and your love and the heavenly feast that awaits us is represented with a party, a celebration of joy, a celebration of your grace and love. And so, Father, I pray it would be so here at Woodside Lapeer that we would be a celebratory people, a joyful people, knowing how wonderfully you save us depicted by the picture of a party. Oh, Lord, may we each Sunday, Lord, may we each day enter into your presence through the cross, celebrating your love and grace with the joy of the Spirit. Father, I also pray that you would work in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, and I confess on each one of our behalves, each one of us has prejudices. Each one of us has biases. Each one of us is prone to exclude those who you welcome, to exclude others on the basis of the way they look, on the basis of their ethnicity, on the basis of their sin. God, I pray you would make us as gracious as you are gracious. Make us as generous and hospitable as you are generous and hospitable. Lord, do a work to help us have the same kind of compassion for the broken that you have. Do it all by the power of the Holy Spirit through the truth of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together this week. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and to get you connected to the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.